So, recentering your life around the kingdom of God. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Turn your Bible apps to this famous, well-known scripture. It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Oh, that's so good. God wants to give you everything you need. As, as you seek his kingdom above all else, you prioritize the kingdom of agenda of God and you live right. He will get, so you're like, Pastor, what does this mean? In my current interpretation, it means when you prioritize the things of God and you work and you live a biblical way, undergirded with faith, faith, love, and hope, faith, hope, and love, bearing the fruit of the Spirit, wearing the full armor of God, you will position yourself to have everything you need, right? Whether it's going to work and just working and working and walking with God's favor. What did my brother say? He said, work. What did he say with the walk? It was like work, attitude, love, and kindness, right? If you live with that, if you live with like, listen, I just work. I work hard. It's not what I do. It's how I do it, baby, right? And if you work and you have a good attitude, if you work with love and kindness and you start eliminating, eliminating, uh, materialism, uh, you start working on your inner healing so you don't have to buy three pairs of the same sneakers to get validation or you don't have to buy gaudy jewelry to feel cute, right? When you start working on your inner healing, if you start working on living with a sanctified simplicity, oh, that's a word for somebody. God wants you to God wants you to embrace sanctified simplicity. Then I believe God begins to give you what you need. Because if you if you if you prioritize God's dream, He blesses your dream. He, he first He alters your dream, right? Because some of our desire used to be to be desired, right? And so He begins to alter your dream, right? The Bible says in Psalms thirty-seven. That the, the Lord would give you the desires of your heart, right? But he would give you the list. He won't just give you what's on your list. He will give you a new list. Hey! All right. So it says, well, you have to first seek the kingdom of God. And, you know, I want you, I, I preach this so you can ascend from survival mentality to a life full of devotion and transcendence. We don't want to waste our lives. We don't want to focus on the wrong things. We don't want to stay immature Christians repeating the same levels. I saw something on Instagram. What did it say? It says something about that if we like if, if we don't learn our lesson, we will just stay on the same level of life. The same level of consciousness. You know, we've, brothers and sisters, we've met Christians who have just stood on the same level. They talk about the same things. They have the same pursuits. Um, they, just does, they just don't seem to desire to grow. And we want to be Christians that are continually uh, ascending up and continually 
growing in the things of God, growing in our mentality, growing in our consciousness, growing in um, just the way we want to serve God and the way we want to serve his people. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. So we want to continue to grow. We don't want to succumb to compromise, lukewarm, or be known for the rest of the eternity as a person who was too scared to represent the kingdom, push the kingdom's agenda, or contend for their crown. Right? We want to continue to raise, not just in our consciousness, but in loving courage. Right? Listen, Tim Ferriss said, the quality of many people's lives is impacted by their uh, ability and desire to have difficult conversations. Right? You know how they say in the world, there was a meme with um, Travis Travis Barker. I think Travis Barker, Travis Scott. Who's that, who's that comedian from Staten Island? And Pete Davidson and Machine Gun Kelly. Right? And they were showing like, you know, they, they were pictures, I'm sure these are attractive brothers in their own way, but they showed like really bad pictures of them. And they said, if these guys could date Kardashians and Jenners and the girl from Transformers, then you could you could do a lot of things too, right? And you gotta, they say, shoot your shot. And, but, you know, we're gonna be known for eternity. Were we willing to shoot our shot for God's agenda? Were we willing to have a difficult conversation about faith? All right. And I say we have to recenter ourselves in the kingdom of God because most many of us are closer to the tomb than the womb. So today I want to talk to you about uh, a few things, right? The big, big picture, Jesus' main message, the power of the gospel. I believe I sent the notes to Ethan and he could put some of the stuff. The big, big picture, the Jesus' main message, the power of the gospel, the greatness of our king, and our kingdom agenda, agenda, which is like identity and worship. So let's go to the big, big picture. And the big, big picture is that if you've been Christian for any length of time, terms like the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, the house of God, and the family of God are so familiar to you. Right? How many times you heard the bride of Christ, which is the church, the church at large, the body of Christ, which is the church, but also like the believers, right? Um, the house of God, which is, you know, the individual churches, the bride of Christ is the global church, the body of Christ are the individual Christians, the house of God are like um, all the different interdependent churches, the family of God is the, you know, all the churches and denominations, um, and so one of the things is that I want to share with you is I want you to have a passion for this agenda. I want you to have a passion for this dream of God, right? God has a passion. You can see it in Revelations, no, you can see the Genesis 1 and 2 and Revelations 20 and 21, I believe. The first two and the last two chapters of the Bible, which have no sin. You see this thread of the bride of Christ. You see this thread of God wanting a family. You see this thread of God wanting a house on this earthly plane. So we need a passion for building God a house. Like King David. You ever read the scripture where it says um, David had a heart after God, God's own heart? Because David wanted to build God a house. 
And many of us go our whole lives without wanting to build God a house. Uh, I wish I had the time to talk about the prophetic beauty of Genesis chapter 24, when Abraham sent his best servant to help find a wife for his son Isaac. And how that's like a prophetic picture of like evangelism. Or how Jesus' first miracle was at a wedding, right? And we're the bride of Christ. Or how his side was pierced when he was on the cross. And which is kind of like how Eve came out of Adam's side, the church came out of Jesus' side. And we, I just want to challenge you, fam, to be like David and develop a passion for God's eternal purpose. Can I hear amen in the chat? Praise the Lord. All right, the next big idea. Jesus' main message. Now, a lot of times we think Jesus' main message was love. And Jesus spoke about love. But the main message of Jesus was the kingdom of God. There was love through a kingdom filter. And one of my favorite Christian, I don't know if he's a theologian, but I call him a, I call all great Christian thinkers a theologian, you know. But well, I would say theologian was you, my favorite, one of my favorite thinkers, I think he was a theologian, he was a professor, I believe, was Eugene Peterson. He went on to be with the Lord. He wrote a great book about pastoral theology. He wrote, a, he, wrote uh, he led the team that wrote the Message Translation Bible. And so he once said that the local church is a colony of heaven in the country of death. Which means that the local church are the representation of the true God, the better way of Jesus. And is the way to live out Jesus' prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so I just want to remind you that Jesus spoke about the kingdom of God. Romans 14, 17. Romans 14, 17 says... For the kingdom of God, right? This is a good scripture. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of what we eat or drink, but of living a life of goodness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Man, I said that scripture yesterday. Some people knew it. I was like, oh man, these guys know the Bible, right? And so the kingdom of God is not just no matter what church you go to and what your dietary restrictions are, but it's a life, it's a godly life of goodness, Peace, enjoy the spirit. Christians should be known by goodness. Christians should be known as peacemakers. Christians should be known, known as the most joyful, sober people. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so we want to live that life of uh, goodness and peace. And that's enjoy. And that's kingdom living. And here are three things the kingdom of God means, right? And this is from Christianity.com. It means the rule of Jesus Christ on earth, the blessing and advantages that flow from living under Christ's rule, and the subjects of this kingdom, which is the church. And this is partially having, oh, excuse me, I got charged my phone. Having a kingdom agenda is how I survived um, 2020. Let's see if this works. And because I chose to focus on the kingdom of God. Let me give you a, a scriptural reference to that. The book of Mark, chapter 12, verse 14 through 17. It's a great scripture that I challenge you to study. It says, teacher, they said, we know how honest you are. You are impartial and don't play favorites. You teach the way of God truthfully. Now tell us. 
Is it right to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or shouldn't we? Jesus saw through their hypocrisy and said, Why are you trying to trap me? Show me a Roman coin and I'll tell you. And when they handed it to him, he asked, Whose picture and title are stamped on it? Caesar's, they replied. Well then, Jesus said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and give to God what belongs to God. His reply completely amazed them. And so I just want to like listen in the most stu- in the wisest stewardship way. We have to disconnect from Babylon. And I'm not telling you to live with your head in the sand. Please understand what I'm coming from and trust that I want to see good things in your life. But we can't be Christians that are so caught up in politics. Sorry. We can't be Christians that are so caught up in politics. We have to be caught up in the kingdom agenda. You know, there's um, in 2017, there was a survey done. And it was, a, it was an illustration showing the disconnect between money and happiness. And the average life satisfaction of four magazines, 400 richest Americans, was 5.8 on a 7-point scale. That's pretty good. Yet, the average life satisfaction of a Pennsylvania Amish is also 5.8. Despite the fact that the average uh, annual salary is several billion dollars lower. So the Amish brothers with the little horses and their black and white outfits were just as happy as billionaires with their yacht. And so I want to challenge you, can we find a balance? Can we be people who have pretty good jobs, who got a good retirement plan, who also love God and love their family, love their community, so we could raise our life satisfaction and use that to be the salt and light? All right. So continue to focus on the kingdom, challenge you to detach yourself from the system of Babylon and focus on the kingdom of God. We know Pharaoh's strategy was to wear out God's people, to make them build with bricks without straw. So they had no strength to worship. And I want to challenge you to steward your life, your energy, your finances in a way that you have some energy left in the tank to build God's kingdom. All right. So let's align our desires around the kingdom. Now somebody in the chat say Jesus is Lord. Oh, I heard you. I heard you. I think I heard Sade in the spirit. Amen. And so um, Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, God, for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, and those who are in heaven on earth and under the earth, ooh, that's good, heaven, earth, underneath the earth, and at every time will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So when we talk about kingdom agenda, when Paul was writing and Peter was writing that Jesus is Lord, they were talking big things. And they were t- what they were saying had like treason behind it, right? When they said Jesus is Lord in the first century, what they were saying is Caesar is not Lord. They were saying Kratos, the God of power, is not Lord. They were saying Plutus, the God of wealth, is not Lord. They were saying Aphrodite, the God of lust, is not Lord. 
Or, or you could say they will also say uh, Eros, Mammon, or Mars was not war. But unfortunately, in our day, Jesus is Lord does not carry that same weight. It doesn't mean that Kratos or Plutus or Aphrodite is not. See, Christians, not Christians, but people today combine their little G-gods. It's not uncommon for a Christian to say, Jesus is Lord on Sunday. Plutus is Lord at work. Kratos is Lord at home. And Aphrodite is the, the Lord of uh, my, my dating app. <laughs> See, Paul's message was an in-your-face challenge to Caesar and every pagan god. See, the announcement of Jesus' Lord on the kingdom level is also an announcement to the principalities and power and the air on the spiritual level. So we got to make sure when we say Jesus is Lord, that the little g-gods of power, greed, and lust know that we only serve Jesus. The gospel of the, of the kingship of Jesus summons every person to repent of giving their allegiance to false gods and entity and only giving their allegiance to Jesus of Nazareth instead. Remember this morning, we're talking about recentering your life around the kingdom of God. Let me see, how much time have I been preaching? Oh, I got a few more minutes, fam. All right, so there's the power of the gospel. Um, so we have the big, big picture, right? That God wants a bride for his son, a house, a body for, of Christ to operate in this, during this age, and a family. Then we see here that there's um, Jesus' main message was the kingdom of God, right? And that we, we have to live a kingdom lifestyle and bow our needs and look at Jesus as the emperor of the galaxy, right? And that we are part of a colony, a, a, a heavenly colony that's spread all over, right? A diaspora of destiny. Now I want to talk about the power of the gospel, right? Through the person and work of Jesus Christ, God fully accomplishes salvation for us, rescuing us from judgment of sin into fellowship with him. And then eventually he's going to restore the creation so we can enjoy the new life together forever, right? One day Jesus will return and restore the earth and we will be like viceroys and lords and dukes with Jesus, right? Timothy Keller, Tim Keller says, the gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared to believe. Yet at the same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. The gospel of kingdom, when preached without compromise and its original purity, sounds treasonous. The gospel is the good news, fam. In the first century, the word gospel and evangelize, it, it was like a kingdom term. It referred to the heralding of the good news that a new emperor has been installed in the Roman Empire. The gospel that the apostles preached was an announcement, a heralding, that Jesus of Nazareth had become the world's true Lord, launching a new era of peace, salvation, and blessing. And because of it, everything has changed. And this was the explosive gospel of the kingdom, right? All right, so now we have the gospel lens. Now we have to realize the greatness and glory and grandeur of Christ. We have a king that loves us. And this is the fourth big idea. Uh, if you and I are gonna give our entire lives to the king, which is what he demands, then we must be convinced that Jesus is a good and benevolent king, worthy of complete devotion. 
John chapter 15, verse 9 says, I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is the human face of God, and he shows us what Yahweh Elohim is like, right? I just preached this hundreds of times to you. What's God like? You can get a hint in John chapter 2 when Jesus is at the wedding, and he turns water into wine and removes the embarrassment and shame from the groom's family. He made a good party even better, right? Um, he's in the shame removal business. He's in the celebration business. He's in the family business because his mother was a catalyst to that miracle. What's God like? I've already told you several times when the man was paralyzed from the waist down and his good buddies lowered him down to Jesus' house. Now, a lot of that Jews concluded that when something bad happened to you, God was judging you. So they kept you at arm's length. But thank God this guy had good friends that kept him close. And they lowered him down the rope. And Jesus heals this man. He said, your sins are forgiven. And this man gets a healing. because And he was shocked by his friend's faith. Right? God is a healer. What is God like? He loves the marginalized people. He loves the poor people. He loves regular people. How do you know this? Because out of all the people on earth to come through, God chose a young man and woman who were poor. How do you know that? By the, by the offering they gave to the temple, right? By the fact that Jesus worked a blue-collar job. By the fact that he grew up in Nazareth, a bad neighborhood. See, God is like you and I, bro. Fam, God is like us. He came through a drama family. He came through a poor family. He came through a family with some questions. That's what God is like. He's like us. What is God like? Man, he helps the hopeless and the helpless. Like the woman with the issue of blood. They said she went to other doctors. They said for she had this condition for years. I think 12 years. Right? She spent her entire savings on doctors. And nobody can help her. But she risked more ostracizing of the crowds by pressing through, touching people to touch the Lord. And she said to herself, if I could touch the hem of his garment, and Jesus heals, and he said, who did that? And you know, I love Jesus says, daughter, your faith is made well. He called her daughter. Man, this woman was like in isolation. She was in permanent quarantine. Probably had no friends, no family, and he calls her daughter. That's what God is like, fam. This is why we have to pledge our allegiance to this beautiful king. What's God like? Zacchaeus, the tax collector. Nobody likes him. The Romans don't like him. The Jews don't like him. His family probably don't like him. He probably don't even like himself. But it's crazy because Jesus called the young man that was coming down the ceiling, son. He calls the woman with the issue blood daughter. And then Zacchaeus is on the tree, a sycamore tree, to look at Jesus. And Jesus says his name, Zacchaeus. We serve a God who sees you, who knows you by name. And he says, Zacchaeus, it's on like Donkey Kong. I'm going to your house. And he, Zacchaeus has a party. And everybody's there like, yo, why is Jesus hanging out with this ratchet, ratchet brother? Everybody hates this brother. But that's what God is like. God hangs out with the people that no one likes. People like me. <laughs> and, and, and then 
Zacchaeus is like, man, I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to rip people off no more. I'm going to pay people back. Transformation came through fellowship. And that's what God is like. He, this is why we have to pledge allegiance to this king. Because he loves the unlovable. He restores the marginalized. He redeems and rescues us from our bad choices, poor decisions, and victimizations due to flawed systems and structures. Remember, we talk about recentering our life around the kingdom of God. Now, you and I, beloved, the last big idea is we're kingdom children on a mission. God is looking for deep people that will embrace their destiny. Authentic followers that know there are sons, daughters, friends, disciples, and bond servants at the same time. People, he's looking for people who, who endeavor to be graceful, mature, authentic, and deep. One of the best books I ever read is by a Quaker brother named Richard Foster. If you're a big reader, I suggest you get it. It's called Celebrations of Discipline. I think I could put the summary on our Facebook later today. It's called Celebrations of Discipline. And he says, the desperate need today is not for greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. Hallelujah. We don't need more religious people. And we also don't need more compromising, carnal, lukewarm, perennially. Everybody goes through lukewarm stages. But there's some people who are perennially lukewarm. We don't need that. We need a third tribe. Me and you. A tribe made up of people with relationship with Jesus Christ that's not motivated by guilt, condemnation, shame, religious duty, fear of hell, or just or plain only hope of heaven. Rather, is motivated by the compelling sight of the glorious King, Jesus Christ, and the irresistible power of his kingdom. We need warriors. I'm almost done, fam. Give me two more minutes. We need warriors that love to worship. Now, what's the big deal with worship? Worship carries the idea of extravagant love, utter devotion, and total submission. Why does God need worship? Not because he's narcissistic. It's because worship is, is, is onto the Lord, but it impacts us. We become like what we worship. We become what we behold. I'm going to say that again. We become like what we worship and we become what we behold. I wish I had time to talk about how many people look like Kim Kardashian on Instagram. I wish I had time to talk about how many people love small dogs after Paris Hilton. I wish I had time to to how many, you know, I go to certain high schools and kids literally look like the rappers now. Like, there was a time two years ago, Ethan, those kids literally look like Blueface. Literally, like, look like him. Like, they, 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 they love the rappers so much that their physiognomy changed and they begin to look like them. How many kids that you could barely understand because they listen to mumble rap so much. And I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying we become what we worship. We become what we behold. Those who worship and trust in idols become like them. Psalms, put the scripture in the chat, Ethan. Psalms 135:18. And those who make idols are just like them. As are all those who trusted them. Second Corinthians three eighteen says, "So all of us who have had been who have had the veil removed can see and reflect. Hallelujah! Reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more 
like him as we are changed into his glorious image. We worship so we can reflect Christ. Hey, that's good right there. That's good, right? Right, Z? Worship is powerful. Romans 8, 28 through 29 says, And we know that God caused everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son will be the firstborn born among many brothers and sisters. Hallelujah. God is most glorified when we are satisfied in him. All right, I'm going to stop now. We have to recenter ourselves around the kingdom of God, fam. In this Christmas season, we know Jesus is the reason, but I just want to remind you, we are kingdom kids. We are called to be a, a royal priesthood. That's why he's the king of kings. You and I are queens and kings. And God said, we are called to walk in authority, love, humility. We got to keep the big, big picture in mind. We want to have, we want to be like David. We want to have a heart after God's own. We want to have a heart after God's own heart, which is the bride, the house, the family, and the body. That's why when you see other Christians, you got to be like, we're brothers and sisters. You know, there's a, there's a famous story of um, this rapper Noriega, right? And uh, Ricky probably heard this story. And so Noria, Noriega is half black, half Puerto Rican from Left Rack City, Queens. So they call it Iraq. And so he was rapping, and Big Pun was in the studio. And, you know, Big Pun and Fat Joe had a bad reputation because uh, they hung out with bad people, blah, blah, blah. So Big Pun says, like, hey, Noriega, you Puerto Rican? He goes, yeah. And he goes, smile, papa, we friends. And, you know, these are two jailbirds that were ice grilling each other. And so now when you see people like, yo, you serve the Lord? Smile, papa, we friends. You serve the, you go to Anglican church? I don't know what that is, but praise the Lord. You, Jesus is Lord? We friends. And so we have to have a kingdom mindset, fam. All right, I'm done. I'm at the 30-minute mark. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, bless your beautiful people. These your people, you just call me to be a steward, a pastor of this church for this season. But let these are your people. Bless your people. Help us recenter ourselves around the kingdom of God. Help us give the big keep the big picture. Help us have a redemptive quality to all our goals. If we want to make a million dollars, praise the Lord, but let the house of the Lord be in our heart as well. If we want a six-pack, praise the Lord. I pray there's more energy to build the kingdom. That all our goals have a redemptive quality to it. Uh, I pray that we will keep the main thing, the main thing, that we, when we will look at Jesus through the filter of the kingdom, that we will understand the power of the gospel, how glorious Jesus is, and that we will have an agenda to be deep people, that that be part of our identity, to be deep people, to be humble people, authentic people, and to be people who worship, because we know we, what we become what we behold, and we behold your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.